Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Good morning. Welcome to Community Christian Church. It's so good to have you all here. We have a special, special Sunday in store. It's one of our favorite traditions here at CCC, and it's celebrating our children. Today, we have our Honor the Grad service as well as our promotion service, where we celebrate children moving from one department of the ministry to another. So as our students make their way in, they're so awesome. They're making their way in. Um, Today, we're going to be celebrating children uh, moving from kindergarten to our uh, elementary school, from our elementary school students, third grade, to our preteen ministry, and then our uh, sixth graders making that big dump to junior high. So here we have our kindergartners making their way across stage. Just give it up for them. Our kindergarten class is led by Rhonda Riffle and her amazing team of volunteers. They're so awesome. Wave high. Our, our pre-K classes are incredible, the best, some of the best volunteers on the planet, leading these kids into the way of truth and knowing the Word of God deep in their heart. You, hear, you heard Darlene, she came to know the Lord at three and a half. It's because of teachers like Rhonda and all of those teachers here. Next we have our third graders. Our third graders are moving into our preteen ministry. And then we have our sixth graders making the big jump to junior high. Pray for them. In just a moment, we're going to pray over all of our students, but I just want to express my heart to you guys for just one second here. I have the, the honor, the distinct honor of being able to oversee our children and youth ministries. And I don't take that responsibility lightly, but the only way that these kids get the experience of, a, of knowing the Lord in the classrooms on Sundays and at events is because of our amazing volunteer team. We have over 70 volunteers that serve uh, at least once a month, sometimes even more, in our classrooms. And then we have eight youth leaders that pour into teenagers on a week and almost daily basis. And without these people, we do not see this incredible fruit of all these kids knowing the Lord and experiencing the Word of God on a weekly basis. So before we pray for our students, can we just give it up for our volunteer team? Thank you all so much for the hard work, effort, and love that you give. Because if I taught them by myself, it would not go well. How about this? Let's pray over these kids. Let me challenge you with this. As we pray, pray like they're your own kids. Pray with that same tenacity for the Lord that God would meet them. So let's pray together. And if you wouldn't mind, let's extend our hands towards them. Jesus, we ask by your powerful Holy Spirit that you would cover these incredible and beautiful children. God, we thank you that every soul represented here on the stage has a call of God so big that their little hearts cannot even comprehend. Lord, I pray from this moment on that you would become ever clearer to them and that the call you have on their life would continue to grow and to uh, bring forth fruit. God, I pray a, a protection over them as they step into a world 
world that uh, has nothing but opposition sometimes against them. Lord, I pray that by your spirit that their hearts and minds and souls would be covered and protected. And that, God, you would equip us as the church to train them up in the way that they should go. As your word promises, they will never depart from it. So, Lord, we love you and we give them over into your hands. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. See you guys soon. Thanks for coming up on stage. It was very brave of you guys. It's scary up here. Just kidding. It's not that scary. I, like I said, uh, if I didn't get to, if I don't know you personally, I would love to, but for those of you who don't know me, my name is Pastor Tyler. I, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I have the distinct honor of being our next-gen pastor here at CCC. And basically what that means is that I have the opportunity to teach kids from birth to 18, and then I dabble into the young adults. So like birth to 30, I get to hang out with all of them. And it is the joy of my life. Outside of being married to my wife and knowing the Lord personally, it is right up there as one of my favorite things to do. And honestly, there's no better group of young people I'd be around than the ones here at CCC. So uh, it, I, I love these guys, and it's so great to see them grow up. I'm telling you, if you want to, if you are questioning if God is moving, and if you're wondering if the next generation gets it, let's, let me get you a cup of coffee. I'll tell you some stories. God is on the move in this generation. Wednesday night after Wednesday night, I'm seeing God move in our teenagers. Sunday to Sunday, listen, in my world, there's no such thing as a junior Holy Spirit. These kids are getting it. And it's because of those volunteers. So listen, if, you, if you're worried about Gen Z, Let's get a cup of coffee. I'll, t- I'll share you some things. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. For the, the next few moments here, I'm going to step into uh, opening up the Word. I believe that when uh, the Word of God goes forward, it never returns void. And what we're going to do is uh, step into the story of the foundation of the nation of Israel. We're going to look at God forming a new nation and implementing a culture that is from heaven and looked totally different than the world around them. Let me give a little preface here, though, because when I say the nation of Israel, I don't necessarily just mean the the geographical or political nation. Uh, Think of that as the people of God. Because what I want to do is take their story, and I want us to find us in that story as we uh, open up God's Word. So to do that, why don't we pray and uh, let's prepare our hearts to hear the Word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word, that it's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and that when we open it up, we know that it is your Word, that it is uh, your words put down and inspired. So Lord, today I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Today, my message is titled, Sharing is Caring. And today, specifically, I want to look at sharing a legacy. A legacy not of anything that this world has to offer, but a legacy of faith. When I look around the room, I see grandparents, parents, I see young adults, I see some children, I see every age. And the beautiful thing is that you will all leave a legacy, and it's just a matter of what you want it to say. Whether you're a child and you have not even thought one time about how you'll be remembered, or maybe you're a grandparent and you are seeing your grandchildren run around and you think, I want them to know grandpa this way. I want them to know grandma this way. Whatever it might be, 
all of us have a legacy to leave and to share. Today, I want to look at the nation of Israel, and I want to look at some specific people and how God started to establish that in them. So today, let's look at the life of Moses, one of my favorite characters in the, in the entire Bible. Moses is commissioned, and I'll spare you all of the, the details. We're just going to kind of move along here. But Moses was in charge of the nation of Israel as they walked out of the enslavement of Egypt. They'd been slaves for hundreds of years. All they've known is slavery and oppression. And Moses leads them out through miraculous efforts of God. And then now all of a sudden Israel finds themselves in the wilderness, reestablishing who they are going to be, who their identity is in. And as Moses does this, anybody who's ever had to lead anything knows that leadership is not easy. Especially a nation of Israel that did nothing but grumble, complain, whine, and at some point said, just take us back to Egypt. Just put us back in the chains, put us back on building and, and slaving away, because at least, whatever. They, they just had all these complaints to the point that they would go back to slavery. It sounds so ridiculous, but Moses had an encounter with the Lord at the burning bush that set his life on a new trajectory, one that he had no idea would happen, but would be one of faith. You see, when God set Israel apart, he wanted them to be the beacon of light to a world that was incredibly dark. They had no concept of God. And so Moses is put in this position to lead, even when his own people oppressed him, when nations around him were oppressing him, when the elements around him were oppressing him. He needed to leave a legacy of faith that this new nation would come to understand. And what I love is that he lays it out so succinctly in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And what I love here, just like any legacy, whether you're an athlete, uh, uh, a techie person, whatever your interest is, you don't become proficient, you don't become good at it without intentionality and work. And in this sense, we see Moses' heart on display of intention and intentionality towards building a nation that would know the Lord. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 5. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you, a land large, flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells dug, uh, wells that you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and out of the land of slavery." Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Moses gets this very succinct statement of saying, listen, the God who brought you out of Egypt is going to bless you in a way you don't even understand. But he gave the warning of, listen, you're going to get somewhere that's really comfortable and really set. You're going to have all these things that you didn't even have to work for. God just provided it. But be careful. Don't forget the Lord. 
And in Moses' intentionality, he trained up the next generation. And so as they're about to take the land, they're looking from a hillside, they're looking at the promised land, and there's someone there. And Moses sends 12 spies in. When they all come back, 10 of them give a negative report. Oh, nope, abort mission, get out of there. There's giants in the land. Yes, the the fruit looks amazing. There's bushels of grapes the size of my head. There's all these incredible things. Don't go in. Ten of them said that. But there were two who got it, who were gleaning from the wisdom of Moses, from the examples of faith that Moses was leading with, Joshua and Caleb. And specifically, Joshua responds and said, yeah, there are giants in the land, but our God will grant us victory, will lead us into victory, and will give us the land he promised to our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We see the fruit of Moses' intentionality in Joshua, that a generation where most people were grumbling, complaining, and worried about anything, literally as miracles of food were provided every day and water was provided, the the common theme was complaining. But there was the intentional few that Moses set aside, and he saw them get it in their faith. And so he passes it along, and we see this impartation later in Deuteronomy, at the end of Moses' life, Deuteronomy 34. It says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. So we see Joshua from this point forward, he received the inheritance, the blessing of the impartation of Moses' legacy. One who, the Bible says, knew God like a friend, spoke to him face to face. What a legacy to leave and to be remembered by as someone who spoke to God face to face. If I could have anything written on my tombstone, that would be what I would want. A man who knew God face to face. Joshua inherited that and led with authority and power as they took the land promised to them. And there was incredible victories, miraculous signs and wonders that occurred. But we don't see the same intentionality in Joshua's life. He's a great leader. He's a man of God. He did all the right things. But we see later, at the end of Joseph's life, there's a lack of intentionality, a brokenness that Moses had done, but Joshua failed to do. And we see this a little bit later in Judges chapter 2. This is the end of Joshua's life. Judges chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at Timnath, here in the, hills of, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord or what he had done for Israel. A whole generation grew up. They neither knew the Lord or what he had done for them. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals, the, fake, the false gods. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Asherahs. Joshua, this man of God, who seemed to have done everything right, but at the end of his life and throughout his life, what he failed to do 
was share in what the Lord had done. He didn't pass along the testimony of God's goodness, the testimony of the miraculous power of God in their life. The Red Sea's opening up, the sun standing still in the sky, the walls of Jericho falling under their worship and, and shouting. Not a single weapon needed. These incredible feats of God, a whole generation, the next generation forgot all about it because they were distracted by the world around them. The comforts of the, of the promised land caused their eye of their heart to wander to everything else but the Lord. You see, I think we can look at this story and find ourselves in there. Maybe you in, this, in the house today or online, you are a first-generation Christian, and you had that moment with the Lord where your family trajectory was going one way, but you met the Lord and you pivoted, and now you're going a whole new way. And that's incredible. The best thing you could ever do is take that and allow your children and their children to receive from the legacy you have established. The Bible tells us if you train up a child in the way that they should go, they will not depart from it. That if you can take what the Lord has done with you and pass it along, they get to stand on your shoulders and go further in their walk with the Lord. That's the whole point. That's this kingdom uh, culture that Moses was trying to establish. But what we can do on the other side is that maybe your family's kind of always gone to church. You've kind of always been Christians. You kind of Church is just part of the norm. You would call yourself a man or woman of God, and I'm sure you are. But then we start to lose the intentionality of training the next generation because we're just busy. We just, the, everything else in the world is also good. My buddy at work, he does that too, so I should do it. Or their kids are involved in that, so I got to get my kids in there. And we start playing this comparison game with the world instead of the culture of God. That's exactly the trap that in Israel, they get into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey, with every provision you could ever need, the best farming land, the best uh, harvesting land, and they had protection on all sides. It was a land blessed and set apart by God. And sometimes, with a little too much comfort, the heart and mind tend to wander to what is the next convenient thing. The reliance on the Lord wasn't there. Moses gave the word of caution, knowing it would happen, but they didn't heed it. Church, we can learn from this moment. We can take a look at this from a 30,000-foot view and say, God changed my life. That first love song we sang, maybe the Lord took you to a moment when you had that experience at an altar or at a, wherever it may have been, and you came to know the Lord. But far be it that our children don't get that same experience. When I was young, my, uh, my parents uh, got a divorce when I was about nine, ten years old. And I remember at that moment, my dad was at a fork in the road. He is a newly single dad with four boys, nine and down. Um, and years later, we were talking about this. He was kind of sharing his testimony. And he told me he was at this fork in the road. One way, without getting into all the details, led to... A, a life that the world would approve of, but was not God's way. And then he had another one. His friend at work was in a life group at a local church. And while my dad was at his lowest of lows and had an opportunity to make the worst decision of his life and take our family tree in a totally different direction, the grace of God showed up and he made the decision to go to that life group. 
and he got saved. He gave his heart to the Lord. Even though he would have said he's a Christian, we went to church, but he really met the Lord in this life group, and everything changed. That step of legacy in my dad has me here today. Please, please don't take this as a, a statement of arrogance or, uh, or anything like that. What I'm saying is there is examples of legacy of faith. Now, let me tell you, my dad wasn't perfect. He was a good dad, but he's not perfect. Nobody expects perfect. We're not perfect. But what he was was intentional. When he gave his heart to the Lord, we're, like I said, we're split up. We would be at my mom's during the week and my dad's on the weekends. And no matter where my mom lived or where my dad lived, my dad would, after work, get in his car, drive across town, pick us up from my mom's, take us to youth group, sit in his car in the parking lot until youth group was over, and then take me back home. Because he knew that if he could get me plugged into youth group, my life could be changed. My life could be set apart, moving towards the Lord. I could grow in my walk with the Lord. It was the least convenient thing. It was the least easy thing. It was the least, uh, it was the highest hurdle to do that. But it was worth it. If anything, that what the fruit of his life is that I could then step in. I get this call to ministry. I was 16 years old in phase one. I gave, I ran, I literally sprinted out of my seat to an altar, fell on my knees, and I was just, I felt the power of God wash over me, and I gave my life to Jesus and knew in a moment that this is why I was created. If my dad didn't sit in the parking lot and pick me up and bring me, I don't get that moment. I'm not a parent, so I don't know the, the struggle of the day-to-day. But all I can say is, for on my end as a youth pastor, and what I see in the week-to-week, is that all it takes is a moment in the presence of God, and everything can change. Nothing else will compare. I was a varsity, sport, I was a varsity athlete. Darlene was in choir and in every show and in every drama, but we made the effort to commit to the presence of God, to the community of God, the church. And even when we weren't at church, my dad started every Saturday morning when we were at his house on the weekends, we started doing a family devo at the breakfast table. Even when I fought against it, I was not an easy kid to raise in the church. I fought and fought and fought. And if I had an 8 a.m. baseball tournament, we were waking up at 6 to do the Devo to get breakfast. We were not going to miss that intentional time with the Lord. It's not easy. I wish I could tell you, you would trip and fall into a relationship with God, but you won't. As families and as somebody who is a product of that intentionality, all I can give you in this moment and then from the example in the Word of God is that you commit to that challenge, whatever that might look like in your home. But just start by opening up the Word with your family. I remember when my dad prayed for me when I, I'd watched The Passion for the first time at maybe 15 years old. And the movie ended, the credits are rolling. I ran up to my bedroom and closed the door because I didn't want him to see me cry. I was so overcome. I felt like the Holy Spirit was meeting me in that moment. And my dad came. He opened the door. 
I'm just weeping in my bed as I'm like, God, like I'm getting it. He comes and he puts his hands on me and he just starts praying over me. It could have been, it's convenient to let the teenager run, close his door and hide. We, it's, it's easy to not have that conversation. And no matter how awkward or how unprepared he felt to be the pastor in that moment, he did it. And I experienced God like an altar call in my disgusting teenage boy bedroom. <laughs> Even God can find his way through that mess and met me there. But it was the intentionality. So let me challenge you with this. There's the way Moses did it. He's established a new culture in the face of every opposition possible. But the fruit of it was a generation that would know the Lord and see victory. Joshua, man of God, incredible leader, and raised a generation that would know nothing but slavery, false gods, and oppression. We get to choose. There's this passage in Joshua chapter 24. It says, uh, Joshua 24, verse 14 and 15. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods, put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day then whom you will serve. Whether it's the God of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites who lived in the land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Church, I don't know what you walked in with. I don't know what the drive into church looked like. I don't know what this week looked like, what the last few years have looked like, what your kid's whole childhood looked like. I don't know, and I wish there was a way to hit a reset button and do it all different. But the Bible tells us that you can choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. My dad had a group of teenage boys who wanted nothing to do with church because it wasn't baseball, who wanted nothing to do with church because it wasn't movies with my friends or whatever it was. But his intentionality and his choice to serve the Lord changed my life forever. And this is just my testimony. Your testimony may look different, but it all comes down to that intentionality of choosing for yourself this day whom you will serve. I want to fast forward to one last portion here. Maybe you're in here and you've never known the Lord. Maybe you don't know the Lord personally right now. Maybe online you just kind of found us or whatever your story might be that got you here this morning. But I love that God is a redeemer of broken situations. He never leaves things a mess. All he's waiting for is a small yes from you. If we can just reach back, he will reach back out to you. And we see hundreds of years later, Israel has done nothing but make an incredible mess of things. Their nation has been split into two. Kings doing evil and more evil and more evil in the eyes of the Lord. And they've been enslaved by other nations. They, Israel is so far from God. But at one point, there's a young king that gets established named King Josiah. It says that he was eight years old when he was made king. Could you imagine? His father... King Am uh, Amon and his 
the father before him, his grandfather, King Manasseh, were two of the most evil kings in Judah's history. He had no legacy to stand on. But it says that King Josiah, in the eighth year of his reign, 16 years old, essentially, I'll paraphrase it, a priest in the area finds this book in the basement, basically. They open it up. They blow the dust off. They open it up, and he reads it to King Josiah. It's the Torah. It's the first five books of the Bible. They read the whole thing out loud. And Josiah is overcome by the power of God. We know it now as the Holy Spirit fills him, meets him in that moment, and he is compelled. We are not living like this book tells us to do. We have to change. And from that day, he made a choice, and we see it here. And we can stand on this. No matter what your legacy looks like up to this point, if King Josiah can take a legacy of brokenness and evil and wickedness for generations leading up to him, then so can you. Let's read it together in 2 Kings 23. 2 Kings 23, verses 1 through 3, it says, Then the king sent, and all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem were gathered to him. And the king went up to the house of the Lord, and with him all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the priests and the prophets, all the people, both small and great. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and his soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. I love this last part. It says, and all the people joined in that covenant. Those people, they didn't find it on their own. They looked for leadership. There's a generation coming up that's looking for Christian men and women willing to commit and do the hard things, do the brave thing of saying yes to the Lord. It's not easy. It's brave to serve the Lord and to commit to truth and to commit to his ways. And there's a generation starving for that courage. Can we say yes? As a community Christian church, can we say yes and raise up a generation that knows Jesus, not just as a religious figure, but as their Lord and Savior and send them into a dark world to see it impacted for the kingdom? I believe we have that generation coming up. I see it every week. And now we as a church, as we've done for 30 years, will rally around them and continue to pray them in, encourage them, and lead them into the way of truth. I love this story about King Josiah because it gives me hope that there is not one person outside of the reach of God. Right. If you're here this morning with no faith, little faith, or the wrong faith, you can become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. That's the mission of CCC. All it takes is taking this book for some of you, it's okay. No shame at all, no judgment. Blow the dust off it. Open it up and read it for yourself. His word never returns void. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it separates flesh from spirit. When you open this thing up and you let it wash over you, and the reality of the love of God meets you for real, everything about you and your family tree will change. And you will see your family impacted forever.
That is my prayer for you. And my, not just my vocation, my calling is to support you in that. As your children and as your teenagers grow up to know the Lord. You will have a team of people. My wife and I, our, our pastors here at the church, our leadership, our, these volunteers, we are, our, we are behind you supporting this endeavor of choosing for this day, from this day on, who you will serve. When you serve the Lord, you don't do it alone. You have a family here around you ready to help, ready to support and train up our children that they would know the Lord. We're about to move into our honor the grad and honoring our college graduates here in just a moment. But I just want to give this commissioning statement to both the generation of leaders and then the generation of young people. If you are a parent, grandparent, big older sibling, whatever role, if you have people under you, I encourage you to get intentional in some way. Seek some guidance. Ask the Lord in prayer how you can get intentional of training up the next generation. And for my young people in the room, high schoolers, junior high, whatever, young people, college age, be that Joshua. Go look for the leadership even when a nation around you is opposing the generation prior. Joshua, among all of the the, uh, complaining and worrying of the nation, Joshua chose to commit to gaining wisdom from Moses. I'd encourage you to do the same. Find mentors. Plug in. Get older people in your life life that know the Lord and watch how you will see your life separate from the world. Not, it's hard, but it's good. But when you do it, you will see the call of God flourish in your life. At this moment, I want to pray and I want us to move into our... um, commissioning and honoring of our young people as they move into this new season of life. But I encourage you, we're going to pray over them. And hearing this message, your declaration of faith and your commitment today can start by praying over these young people as they step into this new season. So let's get that started. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. God, we just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would continue to stir the remnants that maybe settled to the bottom of our heart, this this level of faith that we have maybe let go dormant. God, I pray right now that you would stir it up, shine light on the darkness, and bring us into your arms of grace. God, I pray for the legacy of CCC and its families, that it would be one of knowing the Lord in a way like uh, the world has never seen. God, we love you, and we want to make you first. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thanks for coming up. At this time, we're going to move into honoring our high school seniors. Uh, But before we do that, I want to honor our college graduates really quick. We have a slide here of our uh, college graduates. If we could put those up. If you're in the room and you graduated from college, would you stand that we can honor you and bless you? Yeah, come on. Stand up, Josh. I see you, Jackie. Yes, 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 yes. I'm looking up. There's more than what's on the screen, so I'm sorry. But bless you guys, that is an incredibly amazing season. Congratulations on that incredible uh, endeavor. Uh, You have a church family that loves you and will support you in this next season. All right, for our high school seniors, what we're going to do is I'm going to call them by name, read off some of their accomplishments. Uh, You guys can come on up. Uh, We have a little gift for you and then line up on the stage. So let's get started. First, we have Precious Amua. Come on up, Precious. Let's give it up for her. Precious is a high school graduate from the Utica Academy for International Studies. 
Precious was a part of National Honor Society, National French Honor Society, and the Health Health Occupation Students of America. She was president of the school's Racial Awareness Club and co-president of the French Club. She took first place in the HOSA regional competition. She was valedictorian, summa cum laude, and a UCS academic scholar. Her plans after graduation are to attend the Oxford College of Emory University to double major in biology and French. Congratulations, Precious. Next up, we have Michael Bunda. Come on up. Beautiful. Michael is graduating from Stony Creek High School. Michael was awarded as a scholar of the highest distinction, and he was involved in several clubs, including one of his favorites, the movie club at Stony Creek. His plans after graduation are to attend Oakland Community College for two years with plans of obtaining a degree in computer science and transferring to Oakland to finish his degree. Congratulations. Next, we have Jacob Esdale, the legend. Jacob is a high school graduate from Troy Athens High School. He's graduating with a 3.5 GPA. Jacob participated in Science Olympiad and was also on the powerlifting team. His top achievements in the powerlifting were his personal records of a 350-pound squat, 180-pound bench, and a 380-pound deadlift. That is some big weight. (laughs) Jacob was also heavily involved in the Boy Scouts and served in kids' ministry and was a regular part of our youth ministry here at CCC. Jacob plans to attend Central Michigan University to study sports management. Congratulations. Next, another legend, Yusuf Murray. Come on up. Yusuf is graduating from Rochester Adams High School. Yusuf was very involved in marching band as a tubist. Is that right? Tuba player? Sure. I don't know what... a tuba player. As well, he was also involved in theater where he stole the show this past winter as the role of Aldolfo in The Drowsy Chaperone. It was incredible. His plans after graduation are to attend Michigan State University to study psychology. Congratulations, Yusuf. Next, we have Alexa Robinson. Come on down. Alexa is graduating from Dakota High School. She, her family has attended the church for a long time, and Alexa has been involved in the medical academy at her school, and she plans to, gradu- or she plans to study forensic science or ultrasound sonography uh, in, her in her post-high school career. Congratulations, Alexa. Next, we have Joe Turner. Where'd he go? There he is. Come on down. Joe Turner is graduating from Stevenson High School. He has a 3.42 GPA. He loves playing baseball and has been playing since he was five years old. Joe aspires to be drafted by the major leagues here soon. And if he isn't drafted, he plans to play baseball for the Italian League. Joseph was awarded for several scholarships for his baseball talent. After high school, he plans to attend Henry Ford College to play baseball and pursue a degree in small business management. Congratulations, Joe. (laughs) 
All right. I think that's everybody. I had one last addition. No, not here. All right, cool. No problem. These are the graduating class of 2022. Can we give it up for all of them one more time? Some incredible, incredible distinctions, awards, accomplishments, but overall, they love the Lord and they, are, they have an incredible church family and families around them that love them and will support them in this next season of life. So as a church, can we pray for them and bless them as they go into this next season? If you wouldn't mind, please extend your hands towards them. Jesus, we just love you so much. God, we just ask that over these incredible young men and women that you would cover them and protect them in this next season of life. Lord, I pray that as they step into their post-high school career, that you would lead and guide every step of the way. God, I pray that in the moments of frustration and struggle that may come, God, that you would reign supreme and your grace would be sufficient in every situation as we know it is. Lord, I pray that uh, in all of their success, God, that they would be quick to remember you and acknowledge you, and that when those trying times come, that they would know that they have a Lord that goes before them and a church that will support them. Lord, I pray for the world that they're going to be stepping into, that as they enter into it, that they would be a light in the darkness and would be uh, a beacon of hope in a hopeless world. So God, we thank you for them, and we bless them, and we ask you to uh, lead and guide them every step of the way. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. I'm, very, I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so thankful for being able to be a part of your lives, and I look forward to what God has to do through you over the next coming years. Congratulations, guys. You guys can take a seat. God is on the move here at CCC. Through every age, through men and women, young and old, every department of this church, God is moving in incredible ways. It's easy to miss if you're not looking for it, but when you open your eyes spiritually and you plug in, it's quick to see what God is about to do, has been and will continue to do. We have walking and living testimonies in the building. We have answered to prayers. We've seen God move in such powerful ways that when the world gets dark, it's easy to lose hope. But when you look at what God is doing in this house, hope is restored. Because God is good. Amen? Amen? Yeah. So what we're going to do, we're going to close here. And if you have, if today, whether it's in the message or um, through our time of prayer and worship, if you had a moment that you would like some prayer or you would like to talk a little further or you want just uh, some accountability in your life as you make this commitment to the Lord, there will be people here at the altar. We'd love to pray with you. Don't leave today letting this decision be an emotional one-moment thing. Take it with you, and we would love to support and pray for you along the way. Also, before you leave, too, if you're new, uh, I just want to remind you, we have our meet and greet here in the hallway or in the lobby. Pastor Dave is going to be here. Plugging into a new church it can be a little intimidating, but Pastor Dave is a pretty nice guy. He'll make you feel right at home. He'll take you on a tour. We would love to get you plugged in. This is a great, great house to be a part of. So don't uh, miss the opportunity to uh, kind of get that first step in the door by going to the meet and greet with Pastor Dave. Let's pray. Jesus, we just love you so much. 
we know that you are good and we know that you are faithful. God, when we uh, get so caught up and distracted in this life, God, I pray that your arms of grace would continue to reach us back in, pull us back in. God, I pray over all of my friends watching online and here in person, under the sound of my voice, that by the power of your Holy Spirit would continue to wake us up, any part of us that may uh, still lie asleep spiritually. Lord, I pray that CCC's legacy that we would share would be one that knew you. Just as Moses spoke to you face to face, that CCC would know you intimately and would be that light in a dark world. So God, wherever, whatever part of us isn't doing that personally, God, may that be awakened today. We love you, Lord, and we commit our souls and our lives into your hands. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Thank you so much for coming out to church this morning. Bless you guys. You're dismissed. Drive safe.